Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today, yeah, we got we got kind of a heavy one. Today, we're going to talk about the recent wave of mass shootings and the familiar, if more intense, reactions from either side of the partisan divide. Uh, with two of the shootings recently occurring within 24 hours of each other, the sense of urgency to address the causes for these tragic events is at an all-time high. But with two sides decrying distinct sets of factors, whose causes do we target? Is there a root cause that links these events? And White if so, supremacy. Does anyone have their sights on it? Before we jump into that, feed first, uh, we do want to extend a hearty thank you to our newest patrons this week. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, we actually have quite the little list. So uh, I want to give a big thank you to Jordan, Bert, Ageless Czar, Fernando, Joey Frank, El Presidente, <laughs> that's a good one, uh, and Chris. Yeah, so guys, uh, Thanks, big guys. thank you. And uh, oh wait, d- don't don't forget Brian L. Oh Lord, uh, I'm forgetting. He's one. our newest tall bike supporter. Thank you, Brian L. Uh, be sure to take a right turn at the next light because, well, that's really all you can safely do on a tall bike. So. <laughs> Now, thanks again, folks. Uh, We know that money is tight these days and everyone has to keep a close eye on their stash, but you guys decided we were worth your support and we are eternally grateful to have it. That's right. So let's kick off by kind of describing the events uh, that have happened. Yeah. There's been three pretty high profile uh, mass shootings. Uh, I think the first one we're going to talk about is Gilroy. That's the Garlic Festival, right? right? So on July 28th, a gunman opened fire at the Gilroy Garlic Festival in Gilroy, California. Uh, he was wielding a, do they, they say Wasser or do uh, they just? Wasserton, it's basically a Romanian built AK-47. It's like yeah. the, the, one of the cheapest variants of AKs you can buy. I think they're about 400 bucks. Right. Uh, he, uh, the gunman injured 13 and killed four, uh, before being shot multiple times by responding police officers and ultimately taking his own life. Originally they had said that the cops, you know, gunned him down within a minute, but come to find out, uh, they did shoot him, uh, quite a bit, but he actually took his own life with um, like I said, they said that he was active for less than a minute. And one witness said, uh, that one of the people that was kind of fleeing said, why are you doing this? And the shooter was heard to exclaim because I'm angry. That's chilling. It to is. me. I mean, it really is. that's, that's chilling. Like the fact that, <laughs> that that's all it takes for that dude. You know what I'm saying? Is, yeah. to, is to be angry and here, let me go take my anger out on, on random innocent. Feeling. Yeah, no, it's terrible. There was a, Shit, I think there was a six-year-old kid that got killed at that one in particular. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's a shame, man. Uh, the day of the festival, the shooter had made two social media posts. Uh, one complaining about the festival, uh, causing the countryside to be congested with quote hordes of mestizos and Silicon Valley twats, and another suggesting people read "Might Is Right," a 19th-century proto-fascist manifesto that's popular in white supremacists and neo-Nazis. And I, I took a glance at, at "Might Is Right." I found a PDF online, and it is absolutely uh, white supremacist propaganda. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it talks about being taking a very utilitarian stance towards the world, uh, and that is that you know, power and and conquering and might. Uh, uh-huh. is the only, is the only power that's real. Um, you know, if you ignore it, it's at your own peril. Uh, and that the white race is, is obviously superior, uh, you know, based on biological traits and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot about its origins, but I know that it has been 
heavily adopted by various white nationalist organizations and stuff for for years. I yeah, mean, you know, the Klan, the neo Nazis, and it's you know. and it's a radicalization tool. I mean, yeah. it, it is. I don't think you can you can read it uh, and not get that get that idea unless you're reading it as a young kid who's impressionable and you take it as the truth. Yeah, and then yeah. you are the radicalized. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fast forward a few days later, and we got to move down to El Paso, Texas. At approximately 10.40 a.m. on the morning of August 3rd at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, a shooter, once again armed with the Wasser 10. Yeah, that cheap Romanian AK. Opened fire, killing 22 and injuring 24 people. Right. And Uh, and he he reportedly uh, told authorities after being taken into custody that he wanted to shoot as many Mexicans as possible. Yeah. Uh, There was also a manifesto. Uh, that was released on 8chan just right before the shooting happened. And everyone's pretty darn sure that that came from him. I, yeah, you know, I don't no, think there's, I, there's really no any question, question about yeah. that. And his, his manifesto was <laughs> disappointing, um, to say the least. And it, and it kind of lends credence, not even kind of, it does. It lends credence to everything the left has been saying about Trump's divisive rhetoric um, and, and how it can lead to radicalization. I think case in point with this guy, you know, his manifesto talked about an invasion of illegal immigrants, uh, taking over the country and replacing white people. And that it was basically he, him doing his duty, yeah. uh, to protect the country. Yeah. Um, and that falls right in line with Trump's rhetoric. Yeah. And he also, uh, he, in the manifesto signaled his support for the Christchurch attacks, uh, that happened back in March and also echoed, uh, which was interesting, I thought, uh, echoed the uh, the eco stances that the guy in the Christchurch manifesto had taken, like the, the environmental stances, like basically saying um, that we're destroying the environment and that's another reason why I got to do this. So it's almost like uh, there's a thread, uh, you know, in this like white nationalist thing where they have kind of co-opted some of the environmental rhetoric. Well, and it's now a, it's, you it's know what I mean? It's a savior complex, man. I mean... I think, I think when you're talking, and I think we have to separate the Gilroy guy from El Paso. But in the El Paso case, like this guy really seems like he has—he's Duke Nukem, right? Yeah. He's like, I am saving the world. So, so of course you latch on to to whatever you can to convince yourself that that you're doing the right thing. You know right. that this is that this is justified. Um, yeah. So. As everybody was kind of grappling with that, uh, you know, that night, uh, which was, you know, extremely shocking. I, I, I actually, I was like, are you serious? There was yet another shooting uh, on the night of August 3rd at about 1.03 a.m., a little over 13 hours after El Paso, a uh, gunman opened fire in the Oregon district of downtown Dayton, Ohio, uh, killing 10 and injuring 27. It's it's interesting because 27 people were were injured. Uh, but 13 of those were not injured by gunfire. Yeah. Which right? is, it, it is kind of interesting. They were like trampled by the crowd and, and, and right. pushed well, over. Well, I think a uh, busted glass cause he kind of opened fire in front, in the front of a bar. So I think some glass, had cut some people as well. Um, he was, uh, he was actually carrying a Anderson manufacturing semi-automatic AM 15. Basically a, a, an AR 15 variant. Yeah. It was in a pistol configuration with a shortened barrel chambered in 223 caliber ammunition and equipped with a hundred round drum magazine. Police say the shooter was only active for 32 seconds before responding officers shot him dead. Um, and able to, to, to kill 10 people in, in 30 seconds, yeah. which I have to say, uh, even as a gun guy, 
myself lends some credence to yeah. the, the the left's talking point of let's restrict magazine size. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that would have changed. I mean, he's got a hundred round drum. Uh, he killed 10 people. If he had a 10 round mag, w- would they not just be taped together? And he's going 10 flip 20. Yeah. Like how many lives are we realistically talking about saving uh, with a mag man? Anyway, I don't want to get lost in the, in yeah, the details yeah, about policy yet. But so when it comes to a motive in Dayton, uh, things are pretty murky. I'll tell you what we do know. We know that uh, on his Twitter account, he described himself as a leftist anime fan and metalhead. Uh, he'd posted tweets that opposed Donald Trump, supported Elizabeth Warren, socialism, and Satan. Hail Satan. Um, although many of his tweets were mundane and non-political, he had retweeted posts that supported the Antifa movement and opposed U.S. immigration and customs enforcement. And interestingly, he had also you know, liked or retweeted posts earlier that day uh, that both called for gun control and condemned the El Paso shooter. Right. So, you know, it was kind of an interesting turn of events. So uh, at the very least, this is a very different profile Right. Um, from, from the El Paso shooter. Right. (laughs) And so when we, you know, like I said, there's, there's nothing clear cut yet. Uh, his, his sister who was a trans man, uh, was also his brother. Yeah. Uh, was also, uh, killed in this attack. Uh, there is no information. Apparently, uh, he wasn't out like, you know, just wide. It was only to close friends and, and maybe some family. Right. But they don't know if, if his brother knew uh, yet. So that right. could have been a component. There was a really interesting vice story uh, about his music. So he was a member of a band called porno grind. And I think that's the genre of music. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. They're not releasing the band. And in fact, the yeah. band took all the music down after this happened. Right. And this is like hardcore metal music. They talk about raping babies and, and killing it women. Is misogynistic. It, as fuck. It's, it's yeah. the most shocking music that they can possibly make. And and that's what the band members said. This article gave a lot of insight. Um, you know, they said, we do this because it's shocking and it's fun and we can, and we go and we make music and people dance and they listen to us and, and we go on about our day. But they said over the course of, of a period of time, they'd noticed that this guy had started taking the lyrics seriously. He was talking about the things in their lyrics during regular daytime activities. Tried to get them to rob a gas station. Tried to get them to rob gas stations, you know, started carrying a gun. Um, So there were these, these warning signs and they said they started to ostracize him um, and kind of push him to the margins. Yeah. Um, So I think that's, and and of course there's, there's going to be people who come out and say, Oh, it's, you know, it's obviously the music, but I got to say this kid also had a rape list in high school and was kicked out of school for, for having a list of people he wanted to rape. Yeah. Um, and eventually they let him back in school. There was a whole hoopla about it. And, and the, the girls who were on that list were furious because they weren't notified when he was let back in school. But, uh, I think, well, but I think what's important to note is again, if if we you know look at what the police have said so far, uh, they have no no reason as of yet to suggest that the shootings were racially or politically motivated, and they also you know some of the the misogyny angles, it's stuff that's coming up like you know about his life. He was in that band. That thing had happened uh, back in high school, middle school with the rape list. So some people are speculating there, but again. Uh, all the police have said is when they got to his house, they found a crosscut of violent uh, ideologies and things that he was dabbling in. So they're not really sure which one it is as of yet. Right. And and I think people on the right are going to have a tendency to look at this and go, see, he was Antifa. 
Yeah. See, there's one from Antifa. The same way the people on the left are looking at just about every mass shooter that's white and 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 pointing out and say, see, see, it's white supremacy. We got a problem with white men. Yeah. We got a problem. Well, I think I think the problem there is that people are I mean, there was two in one day. Like people are are scared. I don't know if you saw uh, the video of Times Square oh, with God. the motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, this uh, is this is the end result of terrorism on display. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, there's a motorcycle going through Times Square and it backfires. And, you know, I don't know if it was hundreds or thousands, but we're talking about Times Square. It New looked York like City. hundreds of people to me. Uh, just everybody panicked and started fleeing. Uh, there were reports of people uh, crying and beating on the doors of theaters trying to get inside. They thought yet another shooting had happened. So that's kind of, you know, when some of these things happen, that's where the, the tone and tenor of the country is at, is where a motorcycle backfiring has got us literally on the edge of our seat freaking yeah. out. And so it's it's you would almost expect us to start playing the blame game and boy howdy are we ever. <laughs> so uh you know one of the first things uh that we got to talk about that got brought up uh in the week since the shootings uh President Trump, uh Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy have all thrown blame on violent video games, with Patrick even calling for the federal government to step in and do and, something. And God, GOP, stop it. Stop it. You're, yeah. You just make yourself look like idiots every time you do this. Like, yes, we have a problem with with mass shootings in the United States, but the whole world consumes video games. The right. whole world consumes violent video games, and these problems don't happen there. And I mean, we've violent movies. We play, if if playing violent video games incites you to be a mass shooter, what what does playing cops and robbers do? Right. right. Like, I mean, really, are yeah. we are we to the point where? Where we cannot separate ourselves from from fantasy, fiction, and reality, like I don't yeah. think so, man. No, I, I think that's this 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 weird wool over your eyes tendency. Like, I, yeah, and there are there is study after study after study that shows that that's not the case. And I'll tell you what, I didn't even pull one of them because yeah. it's settled. Like, there's no point. There's no point rehashing it. Uh, violent or, or video games do not cause mass shootings. They right. they, they simply don't. Uh, one of the things that's interesting, though, is that I see out there. If we're talking about video games, I want to I want to be really honest about it for a moment. Yes, I see the GOP trying to say that these these mass shootings are a result of video games, but then I also see and have seen for the last three or four years articles in the Guardian saying that uh, violent or I'm sorry, the video games have misogyny and sexism in it, and it's driving men to become misogynists and sexist. Well, and I think if you look back at Gamergate. Yeah. Um, and all, you know, they, they, they've they've been pinning both sides have been pinning video games with societal ills yeah. uh, from different angles. And and from the left, um, they're pinning it on the community and and yeah. and misogyny within the community. And from the right, they're pinning no, it on else, but the them, actual material. I will I will give you like I, I think um, it's kind of complicated. Like, I know what you're talking about. I will give the left the point of. Uh, there are things brewing in these gaming forums. You know what I mean? Now, whether or not that's like, you know, special to gaming forums, you know, I, I don't necessarily I don't agree, think so. I think but, there's people out there trying to radicalize people across the spectrum in gaming forums, in incel forums, in political discussion forums on Reddit. Yeah. Um, you know, all over the place. I don't think there's anywhere that's safe but from, I have from seen, radicalizers. I have seen articles in Time Magazine, Mother Jones, and The Guardian saying that it is the themes inside 
of the games themselves mm. that are promoting, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So like, so I'll concede the point about the forums in so much as we can talk about that. But when they start to say, oh, well, you know, uh, you're, you're beating up hookers in Grand Theft Auto. Right. So okay. obviously yeah, people I, are becoming yeah. misogynist. How is that any different than this ludicrous argument that the GOP is putting forth? That it's drive, you know, doom is driving people to commit mass shooting. Yeah, well, you know Wolfenstein surely is driving people to kill all the Nazis, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, and, that's a good one there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, what's what's interesting to me in this whole in this whole hoopla is that for many, 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 many years, science has identified risk factors um, that lead to radicalization and and terrorism. Yeah. I mean, we know I've got I've got a list of of risk factors a mile long. Let me just hit you guys with some of them. Uh, commitment to ideology justifying violence. Uh, I think that applies. Yeah, <laughs> you do the math there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a victim of injustice and grievances. Hmm. Um, which, gosh, and I mean, victimization I think, culture. You know, everyone's a victim. Yeah, I was going to say that's even. I mean, that's just perceived. Whether or not you necessarily agree that they are a victim. That's right. If they believe it. I mean, it makes no difference. Dehumanization yeah. or demonization of identified targets of injustice, and and got you know, wow, Trump, <laughs> he yeah. hits that box all the way around. So, uh, rejection of democratic society and values. Yeah. Uh, feelings of hate, frustration, persecution, or alienation. Like that's the story of just about every teenager in America right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really a large portion of it. We treat our schools like prisons. Yeah. They, they walk into school through metal detectors at, at 12 years old with yeah. bulletproof backpacks and they're, they're locked in doors. Like yeah. I, that's dehumanizing off the jump. I mean, that's, that's checking multiple boxes. I mean, uh, we absolutely. can, we can go down the list, you know, lack of empathy, um, identification of, of target, uh, in response to perceived injustice, personal contact with violent extremists, uh, having a history of criminal violence itself is an indicator, right. um, belonging to a gang, mm -hmm. uh, or delinquent peers, um, you know, it goes on and on and on. Being unemployed is, is an indicator. So yeah. I, I think we know very well what factors go in to making someone radicalized. I don't think you need the science to look at it. I think you just, just think about it. What a person who is at the point where they can say, I'm angry and I'm going to go shoot as many people as I can yeah, just because has obviously um, not had a supportive community. Right. I mean, I, and I think I, I want to walk that back a tiny bit because I do think there are people out there who are, who are just rotten enough and foul enough that no supportive community can bring them in. Yeah, but it, that's, but, that's but, something that goes, that kind of goes without saying, you know right. what I'm saying? We stipulate there are evil assholes out there that no matter what we do, this is still something they might do. But I don't think these, I don't think all of these shooters are those people. I think, I, I mean, the, the Gilroy guy, man, he's walking through Why are you doing this? Because I'm angry. Yeah. Like anger can be assuaged, yeah. right? Fear can be fixed. Hatred can be healed. Like, no one on the left or the right, just about, is talking about those things, and no. and there are some exceptions. We'll talk about well, those a yeah. little later. No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what we have absolutely talked about, as we do in the in the wake of every mass shooting, is we have started to talk about guns, 
In fact, new calls for gun legislation, including a new assault weapon ban, rose almost immediately. Yeah, overnight. Uh, you know, with the El Paso shooter stating his support for Christchurch, you had instantly comparisons. Oh, look at New Zealand. They, they you know, instantly just banned their guns. And America, we've had how many of these things, and we've yet to do anything. Because so, that's the only solution. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Monday following the shootings, President Trump gave a speech in which he called for an expansion and strengthening of background checks on gun purchases and for Congress to look at red flag laws, which would allow government officials to confiscate guns from individuals deemed to be an imminent threat to themselves or others by friends and family. And here we go. I mean, red flag laws are another one of those things that I feel like just get us right into unconstitutional, abusable territory right off the jump. I mean, we have a process. We have due process, right? You can yeah. take someone, if they're a felon, you can take their guns. A court can, can you know, can do that. But a red flag law, the ones I've seen proposed anyway, don't have much by way of due process. If your mom calls and says, hey, he's got a gun in the house and he's dangerous, here come the cops knocking at your door right. um, to come investigate. And and I'm not really cool with that. I mean, I've known a lot of people's moms who were really scary, <laughs> yeah. man. I mean, I you know, the girl I know got her mom shot at her, yeah. you know, and who would absolutely call the cops on her and say, oh, she got a gun and she's planning on shooting people just yeah. to do terrible things to her. Well, like, it's actually, it's, it's, you know, reminiscent. They talk about the boyfriend loophole with EPOs, right? And, you know, I have... It's anecdotal, but I have most certainly seen EPOs and the fact that your guns are going to be taken, like, wielded as a cudgel by somebody who's upset, right? So, What um, is the girlfriend loophole? uh, It's a boyfriend loophole. loophole. uh, I think if you're – there is a way that uh, under certain circumstances, uh, the guns do not get confiscated on an EPO. Oh. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Interesting. Yeah, what the fine details are there. But getting back to red flag laws. Where I'm at is, you know, the background checks, we've talked before about how we think background checks should be done. You yeah, know, maybe we're, we should we're, clarify. We're all for I, I background should, checks. Uh, let me, let yeah. me take this, yeah, this moment ahead. to clarify. I'm, I, and I am a gun guy. I'm a constitution guy, uh, you know, as far left as I am in some places. Uh, but I'm absolutely okay with requiring background checks for every single firearm purchase ever, private, mm-hmm. whatever. My, my key there is that the government doesn't keep the data. And no mm-hmm. one's talking about it. You know, no, if the law is written such that we get a yes or no answer, but I can go to the post office and pay 10 bucks on a background check. You know, the dude signs for it. Right. They check his background. They send back a yes or no. And then the data is destroyed. Right. It doesn't get backed up. It doesn't get transferred. You don't tell the FBI how many guns you bought. You don't tell the FBI what the serial numbers are for. And, and the reasons for that are legion, yeah. man. I mean, look yeah. at what people are saying about the Trump government. If they do decide to go full-on fascist, they're going to be knocking on doors of everyone who's in that database. Yeah. And they're going to know exactly what they bought and how many they have. Like, right. it's, it's, it's not okay with me. Well, and, in much the same fashion that, you know, you and I had agreed on a previous episode about the background checks, that we are willing to do, uh, you know, background checks provided that these concerns are addressed. I feel the same way about the red flag laws. So long as you are willing to address my concerns about due process, so long as you're willing to address a concern that I have about like rec- recompense for people who had their guns taken away when they shouldn't have, you know what I mean? It's so long as you're willing to look at a certain amount of criteria, I'm not going to rule it out. 
You know, it is something that I am willing to meet you with halfway and say, it's maybe so there's a version of this you can show me that I'll agree it's to. It's so tough with me because because police are militarized and they're killing citizens during normal stops more than they ever have. And that right. is that is a fact, Jack. So anytime we're asking to send the government with guns to people's houses to knock on doors. Like, I feel like you are risking people's life every single time you interact with an officer every right. single time. Well, that's and, true. And, but... and the question is, I mean, and I guess if, if you're a danger, if people are perceiving you as that's, a danger, there's a risk to people's lives We're as well. We're doing it like, because there is a risk to the public. And, you know, I saw somebody say, well, how would you even justify that on constitutional grounds? And it's like, well, why can't you yell fire in a crowded theater, right? The risk to the public is deemed to be, you know, too great for that to continue on. Now, I, I I share your concerns. I'm very shaky about where we draw that line. And if if somebody presents me with a red flag proposal, I'm going to scrutinize the hell out of it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you know, folks on the left, folks who don't understand gun culture and whatnot, I, I get that you're scared. I see the Times Square video. I'm willing to talk. We can talk about a red flag. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hit well, me with a proposal. And I got to be honest, man, in the case of uh, in the case of uh, the Dayton shooting, mm-hmm. a red flag law may have saved the day. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. His friends said, yeah, we saw this guy descending uh, in, into madness. You know, he's he's got a gun now. We're ostracizing him from the group. If they had a way to say like, hey, maybe someone should check up on this kid, you know, maybe Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. So I, I th- now do I think that anything is going to necessarily come of Trump having suggested? That? <laughs> well, that's that's a horse of a different color. Trump has spoken with McConnell, who in a recent interview said that Congress would take up both issues in September, and even signaled an openness to looking at an assault weapons ban. That's so weird to me. It's, well, it's not weird to me at all. Uh, if you remember correctly, last year Trump said that we should do these universal background checks. Remember that? And then it and then it just kind of fell by the wayside. And then here we are again. Yeah. So I think uh, you know, they are and, and, and don't get me wrong, like part of me is is happy in a sense that I want to protect the, the Second Amendment right to bear arms. I'm happy that Trump drags his feet on that to an extent, but at the same time, it is somewhat operating in bad faith. And for McConnell to say that they will look at an assault weapons man, it's like I'm sure that, yes, he will sit there while Pelosi says, we want an assault weapons ban, and then be like, no. Well, you know? why would he even bother? Because his base, uh, maybe he can just do no wrong, but his base absolutely does not want to hear yeah. assault weapons ban come from any GOP lips. Like, Well, but I think, uh, I think you have to, no, I think there are, I, I think that there are people who are scared, even amongst the GOP. I mean, I think that, I, you know, amongst the base of the GOP. And I think that when you have these tragic events, they whip us up, you know, as we talked before, into an emotional frenzy. And that's kind of what I think Trump and McConnell are doing. They're trying to address that that swell of emotion and kind of ride out the storm. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. There may be some concession that's given, you know what I mean? But, like, right now they'll say whatever to get through this burst of emotion. Right. You know I mean? Like I said, man, there's dead kids on the news. You put dead kids on the news and, you know, things like that, you know. Um However, if we look at it uh, out on the campaign trail, uh, Democratic presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke. Wait, Beto's still on the campaign trail? He is still on the campaign trail. And actually, you know, in in a sense, he kind of had what for his campaign could be a moment because he's from El Paso. Yeah. So he, you know, immediately was down in El Paso. He has called for universal background checks and assault weapons ban, gun licenses, and said he was absolutely open to a mandatory buyback program. 
Uh, um, didn't he? Didn't he say some nonsense? Uh, he said some nonsense about a, abolishing the filibuster. Yeah, he so also, they could pass gun control. He also what? said he was willing to abolish the filibuster to get gun control passed. Uh, it's of note that Kamala Harris has actually also said that she would use executive orders. Yes, or, she did. And abolishing the filibuster to get gun control passed. It's kind of like the the soup du jour now is getting rid of the filibuster, which is interesting to me. If you consider the very real scenario in which Kamala Harris or somebody, you know, wins the presidency and doesn't win the Senate and has now committed to getting rid of the filibuster. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're still in minority power in the legislature, let's see you do that. You know? Yeah. I mean? Well, I mean, that just speaks to how bad of an idea that is. Like, I believe, I strongly believe that we are not so far divided yet um, that we ought to still be working to come to solutions together. Yeah that are acceptable to the majority of Americans. I, Instead I of think, stripping the means of opposition from the minority. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that, that seems like just just asking for decimation sometime in the future. And and uh, Beto is not alone here because, you yeah. know, my my shining star here, Warren, has her own proposal. Uh, oh, no, absolutely. Remember, she does, proposal. she does have a plan for that, as we, as we brought up a couple episodes ago. Uh, from the Boston Herald, Warren's plan centers on reducing the number of gun deaths, nearly 40,000 nationwide in 2017, by 80%. Now, whether or not these measures are going to reduce gun deaths by 80%, I leave up to your interpretation. Well, if you reduce suicide, we're going to cut them in half off the bat. Yeah, no I mean, joke. Actually, no, I think it's like two-thirds. That, yeah, <laughs> it's a huge yeah. number. Uh, uh, it's an ambitious goal, one that the Massachusetts senator aims to accomplish by instituting background checks for gun purchases, including online and at gun shows. Creating a federal licensing system. Terrible. Raising the minimum purchasing age to 21. Fine. Prosecuting traffickers who move guns across state and international lines. Boo. Banning assault Wait, weapons. Prosecuting just for moving across state lines, like any gun? Well, you got to remember. In like, Gil so you can manufacture guns in Wyoming, but you can't take them to Ohio? So in Gilroy, uh, the, the shooter had actually obtained the weapon in Nevada and brought it into California where it was illegal. Uh, so yeah. it's already a crime, right? The gun is illegal in Nevada. Right. <laughs> why are, why are we focused? Anyway, no, well, the, yeah, the I don't understand yeah. why we'd focus on this extra prosecution. I hear you. Uh, she also wants to reasons. ban assault weapons and high capacity ammunition magazines. Uh, she would cap firearm purchases to one per month, close the boyfriend loophole to protect survivors of domestic abuse and raise taxes on gun manufacturers to 30% on firearms and 50% on ammunition, uh, according to an online post introducing. So we found out how she's going to pay for all of her plans <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. No, I, and, and, and most of this stuff, like, again, I can get on board with as long as it's done right. Do I think we're actually going to have the conversation about how to do it right? Eh, Probably not. We're no. probably going to get a bunch of yelling back and forth, and, and nothing's going to happen. But the part that really bugs me is well, is, I want to say too, real quick, and I, and I could absolutely be wrong, uh, but I believe that Warren also expressed interest in repealing the filibuster. So, I mean, are we going to have a measured debate about these things? And trust me, this is the guy who just two episodes ago <laughs> said that I would vote. For Warren and 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 Miss Warren, you are making it extremely hard. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you for right now, but I seriously need to talk to you about your gun. Yeah, well, belt. the worst part is is the thirty percent tax on fire firearms and and fifty percent on ammunition. Like I don't think that it's fair to a rule by fiat and b use economic warfare 
as as a means to to assert your moral authority. Right. Um, not to mention that attacks on on just about anything disproportionately affects poor people. Yeah. So what's going to happen is poor folks aren't going to be able to afford their guns and their ammo, but your rich elite. Sitting yeah. in their mansions, driving in their limousines, don't care. Absolutely. Because why would they? Yeah. And I'm not I don't I don't even necessarily I, I see where she's coming from, but the the capping the purchase on firearms to one per month, here here's the thing. I can't I can't sit here and make an argument for you that or I'm not even gonna try to that a guy needs to buy six guns a month. But but the thing is, is that when we're getting down... You don't to, need to buy six oranges a day either. When when we're getting down to that level of legislating your personal liberty, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you how many guns per month you can buy. Like, you're, it's it's fraught with peril. It's going to go wrong. When you're, when you're letting the state in that deep, things are going to go wrong, man. Yeah. And, and it's actually with that rule in particular, the one per month, it's not the gun, the one per month gun. It's what the... It's it normalizing... The government telling me that I can purchase this much of that on, you know what I'm saying? Right. When it's something that I'm constitutionally entitled to. Plus, if I'm not going to use these guns for anything bad, what's wrong with me having 20 of them? Right. Or 100 exactly. of them? Exactly. There are hundreds of millions of guns in America, and only point zero 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 one percent of those guns ever harm someone. Well, which is an interesting point that kind of uh, shocked me a bit, that Neil deGrasse Tyson actually kind of touched on the point that you just brought up. He did. He, he tweeted out, in the past 48 hours, the USA horrifically lost 34 people to mass shootings. On average, across any 48 hours, we also lose 500 to medical errors, 300 to the flu, 250 to suicide, 200 in car accidents, and 40 to homicide via handgun. And that, that last number is kind of important because... Yeah. The conversation is about banning assault rifles. Right. Um, and and people people were so mad at Neil deGrasse. I mean, he's been a darling of the yeah. left forever, and they were so mad that, you know, that that he's being insensitive. But you know what? Neil deGrasse Tyson is a scientist. Yeah. He looks at things fairly, tries to I feel like, fairly objectively. I feel like you're making the argument that the left traditionally makes when the right gets mad when Neil deGrasse Tyson says something about global warming. Exactly. Well, but Neil deGrasse Tyson is a scientist. Right. You know and, I mean? and, and, and it's true. I mean, he's looking at this and we got to ask ourselves like, yes, as, as terrified as we are, um, the, the, the changes that we make to our laws will last forever. I mean, right. it's very hard to repeal a law once yeah. it's passed. I mean, it happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's, it is inherently more difficult to walk these things back than they are to put in place. Although with Congress, like it is now. Well, maybe, no, I mean, the, the, the <laughs> right just found that out happen. with the Affordable Care Act. It, exactly. Mean, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess my point is, it, he's, he's right, right? Mm -hmm. Like, on the list of things that cause people death and harm, uh, and destruction, mass shootings are really low on the list. Yep. And it looks really big because it's getting blasted to us from every corner of the media. Uh, and we got to think about it when we go to the store. You know, is someone yeah. going to bust up in here and, and shoot us down? We don't think about, am I going to get heart disease uh, when I'm 60 from eating this steak? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think that's important to keep in focus. I think it's important to keep in mind. And that's not to say we shouldn't do things um, to solve this. But I got to say, man, that last point, 40 homicides via handgun, 
illustrates a really big disconnect and some hypocrisy out there. Uh, the weekend after these shootings, I think Chicago saw 57 people dead. I think it was the weekend of the two shootings. The weekend, the weekend after of, the, of yeah. the two shootings, yeah. 57 people dead in Chicago over two days. Yeah. And I don't know. And Chicago routinely turns in those numbers. Like, you know, just every now and then there's right, a flurry. Right. And, and I don't know, you know, if they're rifles or they're handguns or they're all gang shootings or what's going on. But, man, listen to the audio from that weekend. You can hear automatic gunfire. Like, these people firing automatic weapons in streets in Chicago don't give a shit about your gun laws, like Your assault weapons. Man, like, yeah. no, really. So, so I feel like... There's, I mean, is it racism? What is the tendency to completely ignore Chicago with yeah. black people shooting up streets, killing each other? Well, I, I think, I think that what happens is, and it's, it's really interesting with these mass shootings, anyway, is for one, they're saying that you know, well, if we shut down the guns, then you know, we're gonna, they're, we're gonna shut down this too. They think that it's going to have a serious driving impact on what's happening in Chicago as well. Ow. And 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 Ow. an assault weapons ban most certainly isn't. You know, what any I mean? ban. I mean, yeah. No, I, I, mean, I wonder what the ban, number of these but, shooters are already felons. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, no, man. Yeah, You're absolutely. talking about Chicago streets, man. Half of these people shooting these guns are already felons. They're already breaking the law carrying the guns, like. What are you what what are your laws going to do? What's your mag ban going to do, well, man? Well, if we if we take I'll, I'll put it to you like this. This is to play devil's advocate. If we reduce the amount of guns that's out in the population, then the idea that somebody has a gun becomes more rarity, becomes So now if you have an assault weapons ban and a dude has an assault weapon, there is no question as to whether or not that's legal. Fair enough. You know what I'm saying? You know that guy's breaking the law. Although so. you can't really visually from any of the definitions that anyone's put forth for assault weapons for the purposes of these bans, there's no visual no way to visually identify something as an assault weapon. Right, right. I mean, so again, it's it's ludicrous, man. You can't just tell, you know, oh, that's a single shot rifle, you know, from from yards. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems the whole thing well, I think, is a mess. I think I think the chief point, you know, when it comes to guns and mass shootings is and you know, and even taking into account your your you're talking about Chicago is that like we said before, the gun is a tool. You know what I mean? Like, so, so in effect, you know, I saw, and I, I got to bring it up. I feel weird bringing up a meme, but I saw a meme that kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head. It was a pie chart and it said, uh, what's to blame for uh, rape. And there were all these factors listed, but the pie chart was just one color and that color was rapist. Yeah. And then it said, what's to blame for mass shootings? Uh, and there were all games these, and there were all these factors listed, video games, guns and all this stuff. But the pie chart was all one color, and it was mass shooters. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like, you know, we've had knife attacks over the last week. London has got, you know, problems that they've got. Oh, Whether God, or not, let's talk about London for a well, second. Well, I'm just saying. Because they, you've got you've got cats all over Twitter from London going, oh, you stupid yanks haven't figured out yet how to stop gun violence. We banned guns, and, and shootings went down. Yeah, stabbings went up. Yeah. You know what they did in London? They passed a knife ban. You cannot buy a kitchen knife at the store in London right. and walk home with that kitchen knife in your car, in yeah. your pocket, without a receipt. Right. Like, is that the world that we really want to live in? I mean, you can you can That's put us all attacks. in a matrix bubble 
and 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 will be safe. There's also you been, can feed us fucking. Slop there's been a spike in acid attacks in London since there's been a knife ban. I mean, I think what it's saying is that violence is going to find a way, right? And yeah, sure, you can you can shrink down the numbers on it some, but I think one of the things that people fundamentally misunderstand is when they point to Australia's buyback program or when they point to you know what England did and you know where they're at is that this is America. Like we said before, guns is ingrained in our identity. And those things aren't necessarily going to fit us here. Right. It's it's not, you know, if you, uh, I think there will be so many more like cowboys, like you say, going out and getting illegal firearms and continuing to do what they do. I don't think it's going to have the same calming effect that it did in Melbourne. You know right. what I mean? So Well, not to mention violent crime is on a downward trend in in America, yeah, for many, many, many years, I think it's two decades or something, we have been on a downward slope. So, you know these these mass shootings they're terrifying and they're they're awful. But I feel like they're just bubbles in the grand scheme of thing. And I yeah. I, I think that's what what Neil deGrasse Tyson is is alluding to is like, hey guys, just pump the brakes, calm down. You know, I know it's getting crazy, but yeah, like let's focus on it for what it is. Well, after after we kind of get through the gun issue the next issue that comes up uh in in our national discussion about mass shootings uh would have to be white supremacy and domestic terrorism and you know domestic terrorism is is something that i'd like to especially highlight because here recently uh there has been you know the call the question made why are we not treating these mass shootings uh you know as domestic versions of you know the same thing that we're going after al-qaeda and isis and i think that's a really potent pertinent question uh i would also ask why you know the fbi uses kid gloves when they define these groups uh Mm -hmm. and they don't define them as white supremacist terrorist groups Mm -hmm. Uh, they do define uh black nationalists as black extremist groups but they call the white extremist groups uh identitarian you know something or other it's a it's a different uh, term okay um, uh, are you sure it's a different uh, oh term? yeah i'm i'm absolutely okay. positive yeah right. absolutely positive we can, uh, we can well, check on it yeah yeah that's fine um well i will say you know this especially with the el paso attack and you know like you had mentioned earlier with the shooter putting into his manifesto uh the term invasion of immigrants and oh the yeah things that he was in and when you have somebody like trump who you know there's all kinds of articles and videos out there of him using the term invasion 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 over and over again yeah uh there was also you know there was an incident down in florida in may uh this is from the new york times it said in may bemoaning an invasion of immigrants mr trump asked how immigrants could be stopped during a rally in florida shoot them someone in the crowd yelled mr trump gave a smirk and said that's only in the panhandle you can get away with that stuff as the crowd exploded in ghoulish laughter and and i'm sorry dude like all of you people who are still clinging to this idea that, oh, Trump isn't a racist, you know, uh, whatever, he's just being maligned. Like, I don't care if he's racist or not. That shit has no place coming out of an American president's mouth, period, period, point blank. No, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and maybe, you know, <laughs> there's a part of me that feels like we're losing something by attacking it specifically as white supremacy because it's not. Mm. It's xenophobia, mm-hmm. uh, it's idiocy, it's fear, it's hatred. You know, it's all of those things wrapped up into a bubble. And yeah. by not acknowledging that, we're we're not we're not doing ourselves any favors. Well, you bring up a good point, and not to not to you know change lanes too quickly. I think it dovetails nicely. I think 
we're we're missing the mark a little bit by treating all of these mass shootings as necessarily involving white supremacy. I mean, I think like this is a perfect example. I think in the American psyche, mass shooting and white supremacy or racism, what have you, have almost become synonymous. Well, I think with the El Paso shooter, I think they they have. I, well, and, and, and I even well, catch myself having the tendency. I mean, I I, right. I saw it happen. I was like, oh, here it is. Yeah, here's the, you know this is the one. He clearly. Mirrors yeah. Trump's rhetoric in every no, way. No, he, he absolutely does. But I think we've also, we've swallowed up Dayton and we've swallowed up Gilroy into that. And I think, you know, it's important to note that uh, in, in the case of Gilroy, the police said specifically, d- despite the fact that he had made the post, uh, you know, about the Might is Right book, uh, they said not so fast. They said uh, the FBI agent said that media reports were wrong. Uh, that was his word, not mine, to ascribe that ideology to the shooter. The investigation is still going. They found uh, an array of violent ideologies that he was looking into, and they're not ready to make a determination. And, and of course, there's going to be cries from the left going, oh, racist white supremacist FBI is yeah. covering for the racist white supremacist shooter. Well, but I would say, so then why aren't they jumping on the Antifa kid in Dayton, right? Mm. I mean, like, it, it, I, don't, I don't think that holds up, but I, I think... You know, I I look at, there was a op-ed that was in the New York Times, and it said, we have a problem with white nationalism. Yes, we do. And it started to proscribe solutions, but it was framed in the discussion of mass shootings. And here's the thing with white nationalism. You know, I mean, we just did an episode, ethno-nationalism is dumb. I mean, we're right there. And I think that there there is a problem uh, with white nationalism being on the rise. I think that, you know... People need to put it in context, kind of see it for what it is, but that doesn't mean that it's not growing either. I mean, it is growing. So, but when the New York Times got into their suggestions and stuff, I, I want you to think about everything that transpired last week and ask you how much ask how much of this stuff actually applies, though. Um, you know, the the Times said that moderate members of the political right must do more to condemn white nationalists even if the president condemns them from one side of his mouth and extols ethno-nationalism from the other. Agreed. Advertisers have a duty not to sponsor television programs that flirt with white nationalism or advocate it outright. Hang on. I don't think they have a duty, but uh, I believe they should if, they, if they're so called to. Yeah, if they're so called to. Uh, banks have a duty not to help finance white nationalist organizations. Religious leaders should feel called to denounce white nationalism from the pulpit. Yep. Technology companies have a responsibility to deplatform white nationalist propaganda and communities as they did ISIS propaganda. Nope. And if the technology companies refuse to step up, law enforcement has a duty to vigilantly monitor and end the anonymity via search warrants of those who openly plot attacks in murky forums. Okay, and I, I would uh, let me stop you there because because yeah. this is this is a little it's a little weird. Yes, you see it slipping the, right. Right. It's, yeah. There's this there's this yeah. weird thing happening there because yes. Absolutely. If you're plotting attacks in forums, get a warrant, mm-hmm. find out who's done it, do the investigation. Right. Um, the problem is, and and I don't want to sound like an apologist or anything here, who is defining what white nationalist propaganda is? I mean, think about it this way. Right now, there are people who will say, if you support immigration policy at all, Mm-hmm. you're a white supremacist. That's white that, supremacy. that is white right. supremacy. So like if for to put that on a tech company 
is just, I mean, can you imagine giving Facebook the keys to the castle and now we're going to say, yeah. okay, Facebook has to, you know, and they're doing it. I mean, yeah. they're doing it all over the place. And Twitter is getting hounded for, for you know, cutting off conservative voices. And in some cases, those conservative voices aren't white nationalists. Right. And right. they're calling them white nationalists. You know, a lot of cases, people are getting banned that shouldn't be banned. So there's this, there's this weird, murky... <laughs> Yeah. You know, mesh of well, here we go again and calling for the power. But what I say is, when I look at some of these things that they're listing, uh, how many of those things help in Dayton's case? No, I, I don't know yet. I mean, I don't know ultimately what the cause is, but I'm telling you right now, like initial reaction doesn't seem like much of that would have helped. Dayton. Well, in the El Paso case, doesn't seem like case, much of that would have helped Gilroy. I think El Paso, though, absolutely would have. No, here's you the thing: can I'm see not the threads saying, of that radicalization that exist online in Eight Chan sure, sure. and and over here on Vote. You can see those threads in his manifesto. Like it's very clear he's spent time in those. He in absolutely those did, and I'm not. I'm not saying that, that that didn't happen at all. What I'm saying is I'm being told that the solution to these mass shootings is to focus on white supremacy and guns. And I'm saying that none of these solutions would have stopped Las Vegas, right. would it? No, I mean, I, I don't know of anything not. that says these solutions would have stopped Las Vegas. I think that we have, we have wrapped ourselves up in this idea that mass shootings are white men create, you know, uh, doing attacks of white supremacy or motivated by white supremacy. And we've let it become intertwined to the point where we're no longer starting to separate it. And that's mm. going to be a problem because we're going to lose sight of the, the actual common links that pull all these things together because there are links. There are, there, there are, are things that bring all this stuff links. together. And it's, it's, it's frustration and it's anger and it's hopelessness and it's angst and it's depression um, and it's feeling like an outsider and it's being pushed to the margins. You know, it's, yeah. it's all the, all the same, uh, environmental factors that I would say cause, uh, cause violence in, in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> you know what right, I'm saying? I, right. I think those factors, um, those are very human factors that, that all of us share, whether you're black or white, uh, or brown or yellow or red, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like that's in, so, so you're right. I, I, there, there's a human aspect a broad human aspect um, that we're that we're very quick to just kind of forget about in favor of the narrative de jour. Well, I'd also like to point out one other thing: if we try to approach white supremacy in the terms of eight chan kids, if we try to approach that the same way that we approached Al Qaeda and ISIS, we're going to have problems. And I'm going to tell you why: because ISIS and Al Qaeda have structures. They have organizations. They have things that you can target. When they say have the tech companies target their propaganda and stuff, there is a set of propaganda. But like they you have alluded money to, flows. when we start talking about nine or ten edgelords getting together on 4chan in the middle of the night, and, you know, I've heard some things about 8chan like uh, – you know, there there was a kid that posted something on 8chan a couple months ago that was like how to maximize uh, your targets when you're performing a mass shooting, right? So, I mean, is that necessarily connected to an ideology? Is that necessarily connected to this or that? And what are you? What kind of freedoms are you going to have to sacrifice to target that and go after it in the exact same way that you go after Al Qaeda and ISIS? Mm. So, on one hand, I think. I think it is a, a case of domestic terrorism, especially in the El Paso kids case. But on the other hand, I think that we also have to uh, play with our definition 
of domestic terrorism because we're not talking about there are white nationalist groups, but we aren't talking about a central network that is sending, you know, agents out on attack or, or, right. or saying, you know, there's no hierarchy, so, there's no structure. So when we're up against something like that, we've already seen the excesses we were willing to let law enforcement go to. <laughs> well, now if it's decentralized and I need more power to make more iffy judgment calls, man, you better pump brakes because we're going to get in a dangerous position real quick. Yeah. You think you don't like the TSA going through your shit at the <laughs> yeah. airport line? I mean, really? Well, I think like, you know, video games, guns, white supremacy. The problem is, is that we're, we're trying to hold these things up and say, oh, well, this is the answer to fixing mass shootings and stuff. And while, while, except for video games, those other two things, you know, <laughs> they, they might be components or they, you know, they might be fellow travelers or have things that run in common. I don't think that those are the common threads that ties together our greater, uh, you know, not just mass shooting, but also violence problem. I think the factors that you were naming off earlier, uh, you know, people uh, feeling lonely, people feeling, you know, out in the cold and, and hopeless, uh, hopeless. You know, I think that those have have much more to do with why we're seeing this rash of violence and that that is where our efforts really need to be focused. I'd like to see furors over that. Now, I do have to make a distinction that I'm not necessarily talking about mental illness. Right. Because, you know, this week, another thing that Trump had said was he also, you know, blamed mental illness in his remarks following the shootings. Uh, he described the shooters as mentally ill monsters and said, we must reform our mental health laws to better identify mentally disturbed individuals who may commit acts of violence and make sure that those people not only get treatment, but when necessary, in voluntary confinement, Mr. Trump said. And. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we've gotten rid of our mental health facilities and our involuntary confinement facilities yeah. since what Reagan. Yeah. yeah right. I mean, years. it's been years and years since right. we've had them. So, uh, you know, maybe he's on to something there at the same time. Like, I think we've got to, we got to talk. It's those, those persnickety definitions of words, right? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. mental illness is a very well-defined term right um you know it's it's illnesses that are in the dsm that we can yeah. uh, you know that we can identify and that's and that's the thing i, I mean i think to an extent uh, we are I, I get it we do need to define it i think i no, think because the average person goes you you've got to be mentally ill to do something like this well, and they're right you do right you know what i mean right and that's where i think we're being we're being a little bit obtuse i mean for instance so there have been you know, no shortage of articles since then and people coming out to say not so fast. For instance, uh, Kevin Fisher, who is an executive director for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, said that Trump's comments missed the mark. He said study after study has shown us that this is simply not true. It's actually more often the reverse, he said, in that people living with mental illness are far more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrators. Racism, hate, and white supremacy are not diagnosable mental illnesses. If <laughs> Maybe we, they should be. <laughs> if I kick it over to FBI profiler Mary Ellen O'Toole, uh, she said on a CBS News podcast, my experience has been that, that these are individuals that, if there is a mental health issue, they still are able to function very strategically and in a very cold-blooded and callous manner. So mental health is not the problem, O'Toole said. She added that fewer than 25% of these gunmen are clinically diagnosed with mental health issues. People have to be able to pull apart the words mental health and realize that even if someone does have an issue, if they can think and they understand the consequences of their actions and they can think with clarity, they can carry off one of those crimes. 
O'Toole said these crimes cannot be attributed to mental health as the reason because, again, people who do genuinely suffer from mental health are not responsible for these shootings. Now, so so I have I have a few a few arguments, a few a few points like right. just because we have not diagnosed someone as mentally ill does not mean they are not mentally ill for right. one. Yeah. Uh, second off, she's right in that. You know, there's not generally a diagnosis of schizophrenia. Right. Uh, sometimes, yes, well, there have been. Well, 25% of the cases. I'll right. take greater word. Uh, sure, you know? sure, absolutely. But, yeah. again, you know, and she's talking about the definitions of words there. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Because yeah. she's trying to protect people, you know, that she feels she needs to protect. And, and we do. We Who need are to suffering not, from schizophrenia. Right. We don't and, need to stigmatize yeah. mental illnesses and act exactly. like every schizophrenic out there is going to go commit a mass shooting. However, <laughs> I think I summed this up perfectly with you earlier in the week. I want to, I want to say it again here. I would look at Mary Ellen O'Toole and say, well, are you telling me that these mass shooters are healthy, well-adjusted people? No, right. Oof. Something's <laughs> off. Yeah, right. Something is. And off. I think that, you know, we say, we say mentally ill because when we start talking about, you know, the factors that we've identified, you know, feeling alone, feeling desperate, uh, feeling frustrated and all that stuff. It, it swirls around in your head and it creates this vortex that, that makes you more susceptible to joining ideologies of hate and becoming radicalized. Oh, sure. Anyone who's going to love you. Let's things. be honest, man. When you're at that point, that low point, yeah. a group that will take you in and embrace you is, is the medicine. Yeah. It is the answer to all of your loneliness and all of your hopelessness. And if the right. only group who will take you in is eschewing violent ideology every day, then that's where you're going to go. Right, right. I mean, so, period, hands down. So some of us would, would look at that and say, these people are mentally ill. And and we mean that in in the, you know, perhaps a better uh, descriptive word for it are in, in mental anguish. Mental anguish. They're in Thank mental you. anguish. Yes. You know what I mean? And so if that's the more precise word that we need to use, that's fine. Well, an but illness again, is diagnosable. I don't think you can diagnose mental anguish. You know, there's right. not a DSM qualification. But I would say, then again, let's not, let's not, you know, just be pedantic and say anybody who says, you know, well, these people are mentally ill. Well, actually, it's only 25%. Yeah, but something's wrong with them, yo. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, not everybody's snatching up guns and going out and shooting people. Well, this, you know? is what makes, this is what makes living in reality really difficult. Is it that does. Words are hard, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> words are hard and stuff. No, it does. I hope, I hope that we can, you know, I don't know. I, I, I see places, you know, especially like in the conversation on guns where I feel like it's somebody coming from the right and somebody who supports the Second Amendment um, I, you know, it's like I said, with the red flag laws, I need to be willing to, to have that conversation and be open to suggestions, be at least be willing to entertain, uh, solutions that people who feel like we need to clamp down on guns are offering. I can't just dismiss them out of hat, but for me personally, I think we would be far better served in finding ways to reach out to these people and, and to find ways to bring them back into the fold and find ways to, to, you know, just help them not feel so, so isolated to the point where the only alternative they have is to commit suicide by cop. Cause that's another thing that, you know, we haven't really mentioned yet is I think a lot of these cases are people who wanted to commit suicide sure. by cop. I mean, it, to me, if I had to put even money on, on what's going on with the Gilroy kid, I think, and, and maybe even the Dayton kid, I think there is a strong chance that it was, this is the way I've chosen to commit suicide. And I've found some bullshit that'll justify right. it on a chance. Something that, exactly. you know what I mean? Exactly. So, um, 
I, I think that perhaps we are starting to see that, though. I think, in fact, <laughs> little Miss, rays of sunshine. Yeah, Miss you know? Miss Ocasio Cortez came out uh, with some words that, that honestly surprised me from her. Yeah, me too. Um, she said, "What I have to say to the young men and increasingly some of the young women in this country that are falling into the grips of white supremacy that find themselves getting radicalized in a funnel of vitriol towards Latinos, towards immigrants, towards African Americans, towards all people, black, towards all people, Jewish, of all." people of different faiths, what I have to say to you is come back because there's a mother waiting for you. I know it. I know there's a teacher waiting for you saying, what happened to my kid? What happened to my friend? And we'll always be here and hold space for you to come back. We will love you back. And and a little bit tone deaf, as we talked about in the episode, mm-hmm. pinning this on just white supremacy, um, you know, and, and, and radicalizing towards Latinos and immigrants because you know, I think she's ignoring plenty of mass shootings stretching all the way back to Columbine, all the way back to Paducah that had nothing to do with those. Yeah, um, I'll but tell I you think what, her I'm, overall message. I'm no AOC fan, and I actually uh, I first saw that on Twitter, and in that thread, I saw uh, like one of the first comments was somebody is like, "There you go again, demonizing white," and I was like, "Hold, hold up, man. <laughs> hey, look, look, I, I don't necessarily agree with this woman on much of anything." But that's not what just happened right there. I get it. That's the standpoint that she's coming from. But we have to extend her the benefit of the doubt. Oh, absolutely. She, she, I think, has finally begun to see. And I, you know, I don't know. There's, there's other things going on with AOC. I think, in a sense, um, she is starting to reject that that partisan battle every day mentality mm. because you know that that's that's what this says to me. It doesn't say. Um, necessarily that she's thrown out everything that she believes. I'm sure she still has strong opinions about the gun ban and stuff, but I think that she is seeing that, you know, as how many times have we gone to that? Well, she's seeing the wisdom of Dia Khan. She's sure. seeing the wisdom of Daryl Davis. Like she's starting to see that that may be. And I think, you know, in my mind, when I thought about it, I was like, I wonder how many people she's just like met out on the street. Since she's been, you know, think about it. Before this, she was a bartender in New York City, one of the most cosmopolitan cities sure. in the world, you know. But now that she's, you know, a congressperson, I think her perspective has started to widen. It's it's, mm. it's gotten outside of that little bubble, and she's seeing more people and different types of people, and people are sending her emails and stuff. And I think right. I think we're witnessing an evolution as it happens. I, think I sure hope so. Man. Yeah, it's great. Um, I, it, it warmed my heart. Honestly, to see anyone on the left – um open their arms and say like, I'm willing to embrace the haters. Yeah. Like that's a magical thing, dude. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I no. don't think anyone should ignore that. Absolutely. I think, I think it might even be, dare I say a little bit of a movement too, oh, yeah? because there was a piece at the guardian, the guardian of all places by uh, a lady named uh, Iman Amrani. And uh, after the title of the piece was after El Paso and Dayton, the left needs to reach out to men, not condemn them. And that's uh, rare you know, out of the guardian. No, in, in the piece, uh, you know, she goes through and she, she reaffirms her convictions for, you know, stamping out white supremacy, her views that we need better gun laws. But interestingly, she starts to talk about Jordan Peterson and she says, you know, what? here's, here's the not thing, in a bad way, not necessarily <laughs> in a bad way. She says that Jordan Peterson, uh, some of his views are problematic, Sure, but she says that when it comes to, you know, these men and these shootings and stuff like that, she thinks that he's kind of hit the nail on the head. She quotes him. Uh, she says, in a Fox News interview last year, Peterson was asked why young men were shooting up schools. 
And he said, because they're nihilistic and desperate. He replied, life can make you that way unless you have a purpose and a destiny. Mm. And, you know, she talks a little bit about like, you know, he's got, you know, Peterson has the book about, you know, 12 steps for life. And some people have said that's like a self-help book and all that stuff. But she says, you know, just, just because I don't necessarily agree with the, the, the method in which he's prescribing the solution doesn't mean that his ideas on the solution are completely off. Like, it is a lack of a sense of purpose. And, right. and and we do need to kind of look at why they feel this way, rightly or wrongly. Why do they feel this way? Why right. do they because feel nihilistic? Here's the thing. Like, you can show someone when their feelings are wrong. With with the right approach um, and the right care and the right attention, people, people can change their mind. They can accept that they're wrong. The studies after studies show... That if you call someone names, if you we've talked about it over and over, if you insult them at the beginning of your conversation, those brain pathways that allow for change shut down mm-hmm. just off the bat. So you yeah. know, here we are. You know, saying, yes, we yeah. got to we got to do some listening to the people we hate no. and 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 understanding so that we can we can show them hopefully the error of their ways. And I think that that and maybe this is idealistic. Um, but I tend to go here all the time. I, I think we ignore the power that we have to to influence the people around us. I think the Gilroy shooter, the Dayton shooter, the El Paso shooter, everyone that came in contact with these people had a chance to pull them back into the fold from wherever they, whatever darkness they were retreating into. And and I'd like to point out some some potential indicators that are very, very strongly associated with lone actor terrorists. Um, others are generally aware of the individual's grievances. That's 80% of the cases. Others are aware of individuals' extremist ideology in 77% of cases. Uh, 76% of the time, they broadcast their intent. Uh, 69% of the time, they express a desire to hurt others. Uh, 59% of the time they're producing public statements about extremist ideology or grievances. Uh, 59% of the time they verbalize intent to family or friends and 52% of the time they're stockpiling weapons. Now you notice that stockpiling weapons is the lowest, uh, the lowest factor. All those other factors are, are things that, that we can notice, you know, Mm -hmm. that we can get in the way of, I mean, you look at. Uh, look at the kid in the porno grind band as his friends saw him slipping down the slope and they're talking yeah, and about it people. now. Yeah. Like he started carrying a gun. He started talking about these things. Like yeah. it's, it's, we can't trust the government to protect us. Like this is our world, dude. Right. Like you and I, we have power. Every listener out there listening now, you have power. Don't let these people lie to you and say you're powerless, you know, cause yeah. you're not like, Every single person in these people's lives had an opportunity to pull them back from the brink. And, and that's not to say we always can. Well, and I would say it's also, it's, it's certainly not to start like, you know, witch hunts. Like now, if somebody, you know, publicly, you know, says these statements, then you instantly like, you know, leap on it or call on. Sure, no. But no, but I mean, think of it kind of, kind of like if you had a friend that was going through drug abuse, you know, you'd reach out to him, you talk to him, you ask him, are you okay? Is there anything I can do and stuff? If, if we would try to, uh, you know, treat this, look at this the same way that we look at drug abuse, perhaps we could actually make a dent, you know, perhaps we could actually begin to make a difference. And, and at any rate, like, I think even while that's important, even more so is when people have grievances, when they, you know, 
uh, are hurting to, to just not be dismissive, to not, you know, to try to, to try to empathize and understand like where that's coming from. Well, I think there's a, I think there's a tendency in this country right now to, to isolate people you disagree with. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and if they're, if their views are problematic or the things they say are problematic, we have a tendency just to isolate them and shut them out. Mm-hmm. And and that's what this these band members did to their friend, and and look what happened. You know what I'm saying? And it's right. not their fault. That's not. I don't want to make it sound. No, like it doesn't that. make it your fault. If if sure, but I think that as powerful people, we owe it to ourselves and each other to try. I could not agree more, man. And I think that is an excellent place. To end the episode, I, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I feel good about this episode, but you know, there were some places I'm, we have a new fact checking system this yes, week and yes. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about it. No, you know? I'm stoked. I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, actually. don't get me wrong. I'm yeah. Beansville's gone. Hell yeah. yeah. But I'm a little worried about the fact checking. So let's see what happens. All right. Fact checkers, take it away. Ah, I say, since old boy, would you like me to top off your brandy? Absolutely. Ah, yes, quite good. Go. Yes, all right. Uh, cheers. Uh, cheers. Ah, hello, and welcome to the new and improved Sense and Theory podcast fact-checking segment. As our listeners are well aware, we've recently encountered a spot of trouble in terms of staffing our fact-check department. Fear not, though, friends, for I theory... And I, since... ...are quite willing to take on the dirty work, so to speak, so our loyal listeners don't suffer. So, without further ado, since, old boy, what did you think of today's episode? Ah, oh, well, Theory, your your prowess and your poise is obviously completely unrivaled. Oh, well, thank The you. efficiency with which you've presented your well-researched arguments is a testament to your skills as a podcast host. Here, oh, here. You're most gracious, my old friend. I would be remiss if I did not highlight the eloquence of your arguments on gun control. Ever the difficult subject, you managed to brilliantly summarize and give voice to my own thoughts on the matter. Well, I dare say that even were that villain Beans fact-checker here today, he would be sorely lacking in factual corrections, an empty vessel as it were, because you are clearly as tight as a nun's button today. Well, thank you. And can I just say how underappreciated your ability to keep us grounded when discussing fraught concepts like white supremacy is? I must say it, sir, and pour ink in my tea and damn me to Hades if people don't like it, but your mastery of such skills is what elevates us past has-beens and also-rans like Rogan. Ah, thank you. Ah, good sir. Might I bring things to a close? Ah, yes, jolly good. I think you've quite earned it today, old boy. Taylor Swift. Hey, y'all. This is Beanzo, beloved star of the critically acclaimed show, The Bean Pod. I want to thank all of you for taking a moment to check out my side project, The Sense and Theory Podcast. Remember, if you need an extra dose of truth and integrity between shows, you can find all the links to contact my social media team at senseandtheorypodcast.com. You can also join the movement sweeping the nation by donating five bucks a month becoming an official Beanzo buddy at patreon.com slash sensentheory. And finally, don't forget that my segments normally start somewhere between 55 minutes or an hour in. So you can always just skip ahead to the best part. This is your gracious host, Beanzo, signing off.